0: This is David Suisa. Welcome to my podcast. Today we will do something we have never done before. Promote self-love. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Heather Reinhardt, how are you?
1: I'm doing quite well. Thank you for having me.
0: I saw the title of your book and I said, how can I not have her on the podcast? (laughs) It's called Go Love Yourself. It's everywhere in all the bookstores. It's Amazon, Barnes & Nobles. It's a big hit. The ultimate guide to live your best life you know it's like how am i gonna love myself you know that's
1: (laughs) you start by acknowledging that you are who you are it's a an a knowing of who you are the choices you make and the life you live
0: how did this come about heather because i know you worked in hollywood you're originally from atlanta how did the whole idea of writing a book about self-love
1: well, did that come up? Well, I've always been a writer. Um, this is my first book, but I have a few more in the works. Uh, but as I sat down to write my stories and, and was working on another book, I was also going through a very personal self-love journey. And at the time, I didn't realize it was self-love. I just was on this, how to live my best life. What does that mean? What does that look like? How can I take where I currently am and get to where I want to go with making some slight changes in my life? And what was
0: missing in your life?
1: Fulfillment. Mm -hmm. That inner fulfillment that I think we're all looking for, that money can't buy, that fame can't buy. It's just the knowing that you have a purpose and trying to figure out what that purpose is.
0: Is it possible to have that if you're not in love with somebody else, if you don't have a loving kind of relationship?
1: I think that you have to really know how to love yourself before you can truly love someone else. Mm -hmm. So, yes. Um, When I went through the journey... I was, I had broken up with somebody. I thought I was going to marry him. And when we broke up, I realized, oh, that life I thought I was going to have, I'm not going to have that anymore. So I'm going to create the best possible life for myself. And with that, I started a yoga practice. I started a journaling practice. I, I made a ton of vision boards throughout the years of these are the things that I want to bring into my life. So let me focus on how to get these things. And along that path, I learned that your choices really make up your entire life. And most of your choices are in your control, especially how you choose to deal with the, the not so great things that happen to you. Um, so along that path, I realized that the, the better choices I make for myself, the better life I'm going to live. And then when I stepped into a full version of self-love for myself, I realized that the people around me, friends, uh, family, coworkers, just all sorts of people, were really struggling with their own lives. And I thought, oh, you guys, I know the answer. Here, it's self-love. And that's what prompted me to write the book.
0: Yeah, but there's there's these weights that, that are on our shoulders that sort of, you know, stop us. They slow us down. We get addicted to drama. And we there, do, yes. And there's something about feeling like a victim that nourishes us in a perverted, in a, in a bad way. And there's all these sort of bad habits that suck us in, whether it's drugs or junk food or stuff like that. I mean, sure. it's like... And it just really gets in the way, Heather.
1: It does. And I've been a victim of that for sure. I've had my, I, I've lost 60 pounds in my journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and a yeah. lot of that was weight from emotional eating mm-hmm. and just not wanting to do the work to get healthy. Mm-hmm. And when I decided, oh, you know what? Maybe eating this double stuffed Oreo is not the right choice for me. I realized, oh, it is a choice. I get to choose what I put in my body. Mm-hmm. Uh, but y- you have to get to that point of I've had enough of living like this. I want something different. Mm-hmm. And that's when you make the different choices.
0: Um, I was you and I were chatting earlier. I got this epiphany this week that so much of happiness is just being able to be in a state of action, where you know when the more you sort of think about yourself, the more likely you are to judge yourself in a negative way. And the more still you are, the more fertile that becomes for insecurities. And I just find that, you know, successful and happy people are sort of, I know it's a cliche, they're kind of always on the go. The the more I move, the less time I have to think whether I'm a good or bad person. I'm staying active, whether that could be, you know, doing a mitzvah and going to a volunteer at some, you know, soup kitchen or whatever it is. The sense of action is absolutely critical, isn't it?
1: Forward movement is important. Um, something that I learned from my mom is that you always have to have something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be something as simple as a friend's birthday or a dinner party that you're having. But as long as you have something in your calendar that you're working to get to, that's what matters.
0: Is there anything in those famous books that we've all, you know, seen over the past few years, you know, the seven habits of, you know, successful people, That did, anything there that you used?
1: You know, one of my favorite things that I've, I've, yeah, it's, it's very simple. I make my bed every morning and it gives a start to my day that makes it feel like I have a purpose. So every day I wake up, I make my bed and then every night I get to come home to this beautifully made bed and turn it down like a hotel. Also very much like luxurious type of Mm -hmm. (laughs) a very luxurious lifestyle. So I make my life luxurious, but that was one of the things that, I've read in a number of, like, How to Be a Millionaire books and The the Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. Make your bed. Very simple.
0: Yeah, I love those ideas. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's,
1: it really is one of the most simplest things. If you can't make your bed, then...
0: Yeah, I love cleaning out my desk yeah. and my office. And, you know, they talk about the whole thing with the closets and you clean out your closet. And yeah, Why does that feel so good?
1: I like the metaphor by Catherine Ponder if you want something new you have to create the space for it so if you want a new car you got to get junk out of your garage if you want new clothes you got to clean out your closet so I, I like that in every aspect
0: and also I mean relationships they have uh, with I don't know toxic relationships yeah uh, people that you know, we've known for many years and they whine, they're kind of negative, dark. I mean, that sort of influences it. It took me so many years to uh, really make peace with the fact that I I become selective with who I spend time with.
1: Yeah. I talk about that in the book. You have got to surround yourself with really happy, positive people. Not to say that you can't have moments of, you know, you need a friend and a shoulder to cry on, of course, but you really have to be careful about who you who you place yourself around because your energies will bounce off on another.
0: So, you know, maybe we'll hire you to just come to the Jewish Journal every day. Perfect. Just keep us all happy. And I'll be here fulfilled. with <laughs> balloons and
1: flowers and cookies. <laughs> yeah.
0: it's The idea of uh, being in a good mood, I remember once I was reading this thing on happiness and the idea of happiness as a mitzvah, which is um, happiness is something you also do for others.
1: Very much so. Yes, you I know? believe
0: that. If you're invited for a Shabbat lunch somewhere, and you're moody and you're in a bad mood, like, don't go. Yeah. Don't go. Or keep if you're going go, to go, keep it to yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I just love that idea. That
1: I love bringing a moment of joy to somebody's day. That is my, one of my biggest joys. And I got that from one of my mentors because she would always send me little emails or little, she would drop things in the mail. Totally unexpected. I'd open this piece of mail and it'd be just some little card that's silly, but it brought a five second moment to my day that made me smile.
0: So you, you're invited to Shabbat table, right? Often. Yes, yes. And then somebody will bring up something dark. Uh, they'll complain about some Jewish day school. Somebody else will complain about Trump's latest dumb tweet. Sure. And what do you do?
1: <laughs> um, I actually try to steer the conversation to a more positive light however I can. I just like to say, hey, so what about this? And I'll bring in another... Upbeat topic to just switch gears.
0: You know, it's I, I call it looking for things to love.
1: Looking for things to love, yeah, yeah. that's great.
0: I had a, a friend of mine who was telling me he was having really bad luck with girls. Uh, and, I, you know, we started talking and I said, you know, you're just too focused on them. You're, you know, you got, if you really want them to see that you're a lover, you got to be a lover of life, lover of music, lover of yeah. nature and so forth. And uh, that's, you know, That's um, something that we don't think about because, you know, you're talking about self-love, but there's also just pure love, love of life. Are you connecting the two? Of course. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You have to live a life filled with love in every aspect to really embody self-love.
0: Yeah. It's like... um you know, I love the Beatles. <laughs> I, I actually have that terrible habit. I'm always looking for things to love. Honest to God. Love is one of my favorite words. I, I use it all don't think that's the
1: time. a bad habit at all. I
0: use it all the time. Love this, love this, love that. I'm honestly always looking for things to love. And it just, it's part of my oxygen. Yeah. And I do it at the Shabbat table. I do it with my kids all the time. You know, they get a little whiny and I'm trying to look for some something we can love and stuff. Just because there's so much in the world that is there to hate. There's so much like darkness.
1: It can be so dark. Um, But I've been having this conversation with a couple of friends lately. Does light exist without the dark? We live in a a world where there's sunshine and there's nighttime. So how do we have world peace if there's light and dark? And I don't know the answer. This is just one of those conversations that's come up a lot recently. Yeah my suggestion of how to battle it is to love yourself so that way you're always in a more positive place as best as you can be.
0: Well, we have darkness inside of us, you know, we all do. And the self-love is really the light that's brought to that darkness. I mean, in mysticism, the whole reason for the darkness is gives us a chance to really show the light because that's how you really see the light.
1: It shines on it.
0: It shines on it. So maybe it's a good metaphor for us as, as human beings we have darkness, you know, and even the Jewish people, we have the deepest darkness in human history. We lost 6 million, you know, souls in, in the Holocaust. And that's a darkness that we're still to this day traumatized by. Right. Right. And how do you bring life? I speak to Holocaust survivors all the time and children of survivors and self love is not something that comes into their consciousness.
1: I don't think that self-love has really been taught. It's one of those things that you have to come into on your own versus it being taught to you.
0: Yeah, well, you know, you're probably a little young, but there was a movement called the self-esteem movement. Uh, I think it was the 70s or the 80s. And Anyways, it was a big, in the world of parenting. Mm-hmm. And they said, we really need to teach kids to love themselves more and so forth. And then there were a lot of scholars that look back and say that was overdone. Is too much. Um, It didn't teach the kids reality and everybody gets a trophy. And there's no, you're just teaching empty self-love. There's no, you haven't accomplished anything and you get automatically sort of love yourself. How do you, how do you handle that argument?
1: I do think that there is a whole lot of people in my generation and younger that have dealt with the everybody gets a ribbon syndrome right um i was a part of a a dance company growing up where everybody got a ribbon even though we we did win a lot but even when we didn't win we got some kind of trophy um and i i recognize that now as an adult looking back thinking like we shouldn't have gotten some of that stuff that shaped me though to know when we worked hard we got the good ribbon versus when we kind of slacked off we got the bad ribbon but that's my journey um how does one handle that? I think self-esteem is a great thing. And I'm, I was born in, in 1985, so maybe my parents had that lesson and incorporated that into me. But I also grew up with a, a mentality taught to me that you got to work for what you want. Um, I think that, and I mean, I'm not a parent yet, so I don't know this, but I think that a lot of parents just want to give and give and give and not let their child be hurt And that can create some situations when they become adults, when they are used to having somebody clean up their mess for them.
0: Well, I heard an interesting talk lately from Daniel Hartman, and he spoke about the unconditional love you get from God. Sure. And just like you get unconditional love from your parents, and that enables you to sort of accomplish, so he was connecting being versus becoming. And being is the innate love that you feel it's going to be there all the time. Yes. Whether it's from God, whether it's from your parents, or whether it's even from you, it's just right. an innate.
1: It's in you, it's love. your soul.
0: It's it's in you and he says we forget about that innate love. Mm-hmm. And he says that's the that's the sequence. Connects it to Abraham comes before Moses. So the, the Abraham is being and Moses is becoming. So he says it the sequence is, you know, I feel that innate love, but the but the whole beauty is that that helps you to step two. And step two is becoming, which is this kind of restlessness to feel never satisfied, to always want to do more and be a little bit better. That doesn't work if you don't have the base of of love.
1: I agree with yeah, that. Yeah,
0: unconditional love. So so this idea of self-love is a springboard, if you will, Yeah. to help you accomplish more. Because at the end of the day, if it's just self-love, it's not enough.
1: No, you have to have some, some actions As well, to really create the life you want to live.
0: Yeah, so it feeds on itself, doesn't it? So it gives you more reasons to sort of uh, love yourself. And the idea of, you know, the great irony is that we have to get inside of ourselves to get out of ourselves. Yeah. The times that I'm at my happiest is when I don't think about myself. I think the reason I love journalism is because I never think about myself. I'm always speaking to people about their own stories like we're doing now. Yeah. And it's really just almost a kind of therapy for me is I'm always thinking about other people, other issues, other ideas besides me. If I if I spend too much time thinking about me, my happiness, my life, it just doesn't go anywhere.
1: Yeah. You got to let the love boil over as well.
0: And then how do you uh, tell me about the reaction to your book? First of all, I have to mention to our listeners <laughs> something, you know, I wasn't sure whether I should mention it or not. But there is on the cover uh, go, and it's F, what do you call that thing? Um, yeah, it's a, a little asterisk. asterisk, right, CK. So they took like the most vulgar expression in in the English language and you did what's, you know, a chikun, you transformed it yeah. into its exact opposite to go love yourself, Yeah, right? I mean, that's a lot of chutzpah there.
1: Thank you. I think that's how my family would describe me as well, just in general. (laughs) Um, I wanted to show the dichotomy of this is the go F yourself lifestyle versus this is the go love yourself lifestyle, Uh, because I did come from a place of low self-worth at one point in my life, and I talk about it in the book of how I raised myself up. So I know the difference between... Where
0: did that come from, the lack of self-worth?
1: I was overweight. I wasn't in the job I should have been in. Um, Just... Uh, uh, I don't know if there's a root of it. it. It just was my my journey. I think that it was just the journey I was supposed to have to get to this point.
0: And eventually you converted to Judaism, right? I
1: did, yes. Tell us about that. That was a choice I made a few years back. Um, I have some Jewish lineage on my father's side, but I, I was not raised in it. Neither was my father. I've always been around Jewish people. I've always had Jewish boyfriends. It was just always a part of my life, and so much so that most people thought I was Jewish, especially with my last name. And I woke up one morning, and it just like hit me like a lightning bolt. Like, oh, to live in my full self-love, I need to actually be Jewish because I'm pretty much already Jewish. I just need to do the whole mikvah <laughs> and make it a done deal.
0: And you were already on your journey of self-love.
1: I was, right. yes. Okay. It, but it felt like this missing piece. And I didn't quite have it until that one morning where I sprung out of bed, and I was like, oh, that's the next part of my journey. I actually have to do the whole conversion to really be Jewish since I'm already living jewishly
0: were you in atlanta then no i was here you're already in la so who did you meet and how did you go about doing it
1: um very blessed to have had a lot of jewish moms throughout my life (laughs) we know those (laughs) so i called one and said hi so you know how i've always been jewish but not jewish i'm ready to be jewish now and she led me to aju where i took their class with rabbi adam greenwald sure you know six months later i was in the mikvah
0: Oh, fantastic. A good plug for Adam. It's terrific (laughs) what he's done over there.
1: He's one of the best humans I've ever met. He's a great teacher. Highly, highly recommend just even a conversation with him if you ever get the chance.
0: Tell us how that went. Give us some of the highlights of those six months. How often did you go every week?
1: Uh, It was once a week on Sunday mornings for about three hours. Um, I think it was 18 classes total. Uh, because I'd already been so immersed in the culture, I already knew a lot of it, which was great. But then there were things I didn't know. I, I didn't really have any any knowledge of what was going on in Israel and, and Palestine. I didn't. I just didn't know. Uh, it wasn't in my world. So that was a really eye opening experience. Um, and then we got to the point of the mikvah, and the most shocking thing to me was I had to take off my nail polish. oh no I know I was uh, that was the only thing where I was like oh this is weird the rest of it totally normal weird that I don't have nail polish on right now Um, but it was a really beautiful experience it felt very home to me
0: and which part of the tradition just spoke to you the most of everything you learned during those six months was it Shabbat was it Sukkot which holiday which which part of Judaism
1: Yom Kippur really and I know that's a weird one to say why um I enjoy looking at all aspects of my life and figuring out: Did I mess up somewhere? Did I offend somebody? Should, did mm. I say something I shouldn't have said? Where do I need to fix something? And I've always done that. So
0: it's ironic that you pick Yom Kippur on uh, right at the height of your journey of self-love, right? Yeah. The 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 day that there's probably the least self-love you could have picked Sukkot, you could have picked uh, Simchat Torah, yeah, and you picked Yom Kippur, yeah, a day of judgment,
1: a day of judgment. I was, I was at a point where I was ready to stop judging myself, and I think that kind of went in well. Of, all right, well, if I'm judging myself, have I judged others? Do I need to apologize for others? And every year around that time, I just get really. In a good way, very emotional. Like, this is a beautiful life that I'm living, and what is there anything that needs to be fixed? Is there anything that I need to tweak so that way I can move forward and live a better life this next year?
0: Well, maybe we can make a really important distinction here because um, we focus in Judaism a lot on our actions. Sure. So you can say that Yom Kippur, I'm judging my actions. Mm -hmm. I'm not judging me. So I'm judging the action. What I said to my mother was wrong doesn't make me a bad person but the action was wrong you know so yeah that makes sense yeah so maybe that's sort it's, of it, yeah it's at.
1: tweaking the uh right the, the way self-love you love was still there yeah the self-love was still there the way that i needed to make different choices which is a big part of what i write about how you make choices builds your entire life
0: and how long ago was that conversion
1: um i did it in 2017 so two years ago A
0: couple of years yeah has anything changed in your life since
1: I feel more complete. Mm-hmm. Um, no major changes, though. I did go to Israel.
0: On, <laughs>
1: I went on birthright. You did? Yeah, I went on the uh, 28 to 32-year-old trip that they did for the first time last summer. Tell us. It was amazing. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Your first trip to Israel? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have stayed <laughs> if I didn't have such roots here and if I weren't building my company. But um, I can't wait to get back. It was just a really beautiful experience, and being at the the wall and just being immersed in the energy of centuries of of humanity it's powerful
0: uh Israel is a kind of mikvah yeah it's a, yeah. Kind of, it's a, a social mikvah it's its own you you're just bathing in this kind of energy, yeah messy, boisterous, crazy energy that you can't really get away from yeah. <laughs> It's not L.A.
1: No, it's its own beautiful place.
0: So you you just mentioned that you're building your company. I am. All of Jewish L.A. wants to know about your company.
1: Uh, my brand is called Amour de Soi, which is French for love of self.
0: Amour du Soi. Amour du Soi. Sure.
1: Yeah, which currently includes the book. And I also have an affirmation candle line because I wanted to bring a physical tool to the self-love journey because we can talk self-love, we can journal about it, we can sit in it and think about it, but I wanted to bring an action because actions are really important to me because actions are the things that move you forward. And one of the things that I was talking about it, while I was writing the book um, was the amount of work that I did in my early 20s to change my thought process because I had some negative thoughts about money and I was fearful of it because I was 23 and on my own and didn't know how to make money and, oh gosh, what if I can't pay my rent? And it dawned on me that These thoughts don't help me. So, how do I fix that? And a friend of mine had said, Well, why don't you light a candle? And each time you light the candle, you say a little prayer that's a positive prayer about money. So, I've been doing that for years now. And as I was writing the book, I realized that I mentioned it three or four times, and it dawned on me, Oh, I should make this a physical product and have it be a part of the brand. So, I made three different candles. The first one is I Am, and it comes with a little card where you can write your I am whatever you want the affirmation to be, and you light the candle and say the affirmation aloud. The second one is I can, and the third one is I will.
0: I have a daughter who's going to love you. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> Mia. That's exactly, she loves that kind of stuff.
1: It's just positive, happy things in a very mindful manner.
0: So, Mia, if you're hearing this all the way from Israel, uh, what's the website?
1: AffirmationCandles.com.
0: AffirmationCandles.com. Mm-hmm. Is there a an overall website that you have?
1: Uh, HeatherReinhardt.com.
0: And then you have all the stuff that you do on that? Yes. On that site? Yeah. HeatherReinhardt.com. Wow. Um, and tell us about the reaction to the book. Have you gotten, it's you know. It's
1: been pretty great. People are.
0: Emails and messages and stuff.
1: Yeah. A lot of people are, they love the cover. Like everybody's like, I really love the cover.
0: If you're listening to you've got to see this cover. Uh, let's see. How can I see the cover? On uh, it's on my Instagram,
1: com. my website. What's your Instagram? At Heather Reinhardt.
0: All right. So Heather Reinhardt. You know how to spell Heather and Reinhardt is R E I N H A R D T. And then I promise you, you will never forget this cover.
1: <laughs> and I wanted it to be that way. I wanted to grab some eyes.
0: Well, you certainly grabbed mine. Uh, (laughs) Now tell me about the reaction. Give me an example of a reaction that you got from the book and and what specifically did people say?
1: I had a woman who I've never met before. Uh, She had somehow found out about the book and she highlighted it and posted it on her Instagram. Like every few days for (laughs) a couple weeks as she was reading the book, she'd highlight something and say, this is amazing. And it's one of those things where you think you're putting out good work in the world, but you don't really know until mm-hmm. it comes back at you. And I just had this moment of like, wow, my work is impacting people. And mm-hmm. that's that was my intention. So it's just kind of nice to see your intention come to fruition.
0: Do, do you have moments where you have doubts and where you're, the, the things you preach, you're not following? And does that shake you up? Do those happen?
1: On occasion, sure. There are moments of uh, I I try to teach about trusting the process and trusting the universe and and allowing your journey to unfold. But then I definitely have some control issues, especially with building a company. I want everything to be exactly the way I want it to be. Um, And when something kind of goes a little off and awry, I get really frustrated. And then it's like, wait, hold on. Just trust the process. Mm -hmm. So there are definitely moments throughout I would say my days because <laughs> it pops up on occasion.
0: And what's the uh, help us understand the company besides the candles? What's the uh, what's the name of the company and what's the mission and
1: Amour the, de soi. Oh,
0: Amour de soi, yeah, you said that earlier. Mm. By the way, there's another expression in French that says the same thing.
1: Amour propre. Amour propre. Propre.
0: <laughs> Amour propre, yeah, which means clean. Amour propre. Yeah. Amour du soi. And is that a website too, or is just a brand name?
1: It's the brand gonna... name. The website will come in time. Okay,
0: cool. So you'll put uh, the name on clothing and candles and yeah, stuff like that. That's the plan. That's the idea. I
1: wanted to bring self love into the physical world. So the candles were the first line. I also have a, a jewelry line with a few necklaces right now. That when you, it's they're all, they're all an infinity symbol. So the idea of the infinity loop goes around and around and around, right? Well, our thoughts and patterns are always on this this loop.
0: We, yes. we kind
1: of think the th- same things, we go through the same daily process. So, my idea was, well, if we're always going to be repeating ourselves, make sure that our thoughts are really clean and positive. So I use the infinity symbol as that metaphor. So when you put on a piece of jewelry from my line, it's a reminder of, oh, yeah, I need to think really positively.
0: Right. Now, what about the issue of habits? I hear that also. Somebody once told me if you do anything 28 times in a row, it becomes habit. That's
1: if- what they say. Uh, from my experience, that is true. <laughs> the more I go to yoga, the more I go to yoga. When I get off of my kick of going to yoga, I get off of my kick. So right. I, I do And the believe- more you
0: eat cookies at night, the more you eat cookies at night.
1: Yeah. And it just—I think that there's a breaking point where it's like, oh, "Okay, I've had enough cookies. I need to now switch back over to the other side of the habit."
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you gotta. There's so many books that have been written about this. Yeah. Did, did you ever think, you know, what am I really adding, or has this been said before? And sure. are you saying sort of the same thing in a different way?
1: It's this. It, of course, there are, are many similar stories and and ideas in my book I wanted to share my story to give it a personal experience of hey this is where I've been and I know a lot of you guys have been there too so I wanted to make things vulnerable enough to say this is my story and I hope that the way that I've said it and the lessons that I've learned I hope they impact other people so that way they don't necessarily have to go through some of the hard stuff I did it's kind of like tips and tools for bypassing a lot of, not the work, you still have to do the work, but bypassing some of the trial and error.
0: Right, I mean, you, you have a um, chapter called Breakdown to Breakthrough. Yes. It's like everybody gets a breakdown, right, at some point. Yeah,
1: we all have breakdowns. Um, and I'm not referring to, like, crazy, uh, someone dragging you off to a, a mental institute, but we all have these moments of, like, I can't do whatever this is anymore. I need to change this. Um, I, have, I have a story in the book about I was looking for different publishers, and people weren't responding to my emails, and I finally got one back, and then it was a rejection, and I went through this whole phase of, well, what can I fix about the book so they like it? Um, And it was right in the middle of Teshuvah a couple years ago, and I was going through my process of who do I need to forgive. Turns out I needed to forgive myself because I was really hard on myself, Mm. and that caused a little breakdown to break through. My breakdown was I was crying and sobbing and realized, Oh, this is on me. Like I can, I just have to flip a switch in my mentality.
0: You know, one of the biggest things in the Jewish world, in America, especially is the idea of Tikkun Olam repairing the world, changing the world. And you have a, a thing in your book that really struck me. Uh, and I'll just summarize it here in one line. When one changes themselves, they change the world. Yeah. Are you kind of challenging the Jewish obsession with just changing the world? Are you saying that there's a sequence involved here?
1: I think that when one becomes self-aware, that raises the vibration of the planet, meaning one more brighter person, not intellectually brighter, but brighter in spirit. So the more people we have aligned with their purpose and their, their soul, the brighter we become.
0: Yeah, because you can look at, you use the word manifestation a lot in the book. And there are, you know, demonstrations, manifestations. There are protests on the street uh, to change the world, to make the world a better place. But there's so much anger.
1: There's a lot of anger.
0: In those protests. I agree. A lot of anger. So you're wondering, uh, have they skipped a step, the step of, Sort of changing themselves and loving themselves. I don't know if it's loving themselves, but there's a sense of repairing the self.
1: Yeah. I, and well, and everybody's on their own journey. So and I, I'm, I've had many moments in the past where I've jumped to anger first instead of self-realization. But I think that anger is also something that when it comes up, you need to look at it and understand it. You're allowed to be angry, but understand why you're angry and then get to the next step so you can process it versus just living in the anger. Because most people just live in it.
0: And, uh, you know, I I just spoke about another podcast today that it's it's the, I've never recall a time in America with so much anger.
1: Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty intense out there.
0: Right. And it just seems to have taken over Our consciousness and our conversations and so forth. The idea of politics, having a president that so many people hate, and so many bad, negative, dirty, ugly things are happening in the country, and it's hard for us to feel this sense of self-love. You know?
1: Yeah. It's it can be overwhelming. Um, My best friend Hunter and I, we often talk about how I need a social media and just a media detox for. 24 hours and when we come out of that it's like oh i feel so much better even though it was just a short amount of time um i think if we were all able to take little breaks from the real world and focus on that inner self and self-care
0: right
1: that we'd function better
0: there's an angle to self-love that i find can be destructive and i'll tell you what it is when self-love becomes self-righteousness sure and you love yourself so much that you think you're absolutely right uh, about this subject, this kind of, I don't know, it blocks conversation. Uh, yeah.
1: There can be some ego involved for sure. Right. And that's not necessarily actual self-love.
0: Uh-huh. That's uh,
1: self-love masking or, or rather ego masking as self-love.
0: Gotcha. So you, you, uh, is that something that you've studied? Because it's a really A little impor- bit, yeah. You just touched on a really important point. People think they might have self-love, but it's really not. And how do you know when your self-love is authentic?
1: When you, when you look at your life and you have an authentic life in every arena of it mm-hmm. versus just an ego-driven, this is how I live my life kind of energy.
0: Right. And uh, the social media world we live in, yeah, uh, obviously that sort of accentuates all of these phenomena.
1: It does. You know? It, it, technology is on one hand extremely amazing and on the other hand it's a total... <laughs> chaos of what is our world becoming when we're just scrolling and swiping and not living in real life. Um, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. I do think that the pendulum will swing the other way, but I don't know what that looks like yet.
0: Now, you do some of that, right? Because you, you're you very involved with promoting all your ideas and so yeah. forth. And then do you have to catch yourself sometimes?
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I do try to post authentically. Um, I do a lot of post about the book, but then I also can post things that are going on in my my real life of my, per, my personal life. And, um, sometimes I post things like, Hey, it's, it's, it's okay to be, it's, it's okay to not know where you are right now. Cause I have a lot of friends going through trying to figure out who they are and they come to me and ask for advice because I'm the self-love girl and it, it's okay to be vulnerable about your journey. So I try to post some of that vulnerability on my stories.
0: Did you see that amazing op-ed in, the uh The New York Times yesterday on how journaling changed his life. This is the tech writer.
1: Oh, no, but I would love that.
0: Yeah, and apparently it's it's an app where you journal, but just for yourself. Yeah. It's not public. Nobody sees it. You're the only one who sees it.
1: I highly recommend journaling. Highly, highly. Because you are then in your own space telling your story to your page. And sometimes what comes out, you didn't really realize it was going to come out and that's cathartic.
0: Yeah, um, Armando, can you find the name of that app for me? Yeah, it's, I, I've sent it to a few people, and it goes completely against the idea of social media where you want an audience, sure. and you want everybody to know what you did this morning and tonight and so forth, and he says just the fact that he's the only one who sees it. Yeah, it's, like, it's and he says It changes life. Talk to me, what, what, why, why are you so big on journaling?
1: Because it's a way to process thoughts that I don't know how to process. And things that I I didn't even know were inside of me. Um, When I sit down to journal, which is either... uh, I try to do it daily, at night, right before I go to bed. But sometimes it ends up being a a two-hour session on Sunday mornings where I just kind of plow through everything that happened in the last week.
0: Do you handwrite it?
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have so many journals. and (laughs) So, so many journals. Um, It ends up being... If I have an issue I'm trying to solve and I just write the story down or the facts, like this is what I've been through, this is what happened, and I'm looking for some answer, it comes out within the journaling. And I don't think I could get there without having put it down on paper.
0: So it's a lot more than just having a record of stuff. It's the actual process itself.
1: Yeah, it's very cathartic because I think once you make that choice to get it out of you, Mm -hmm. you've made space for clarity because sometimes stuff will stay inside of us because we're afraid of it and we don't want to dig it up. And it's like we've shoved it under the rug and I don't want to deal with that emotion or that breakup or that relationship, whatever it is. Um, but then when you actually say, you know what, I'm going to lift this rug up and clean it up and get it do- get it out on the page, you have this, this open space because it's been cleared and understood.
0: So interesting because I, I kind of run away from myself. You know, when I write, it's not about me. I don't journal. I just write about others. I write about ideas. And this is totally different. This is writing about the issues that are very close to you. Yeah. And you just kind of lay them out there without any solutions. Just... Right.
1: There is no solution, but I know the solution will come.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and you've actually experienced that, right?
1: Every single time I journal. Uh-huh. There's not a journaling day that goes by where it's like, oh, that was a waste of time. Never. It's always very meaningful.
0: And when you say that to people, I mean, do they do it and tell you that it's changed their life? I know Armando, who's, you know, producing this show, does journaling. He sees it as talking to God and it's like a special moment.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that when you can tap into your own soul, essentially, that you are tapped into some, some source energy from God or universe or whatever you want to call it.
0: I just had the craziest thought. I guess I have to share it, you know, with imagining evil people sort of journaling, right? You know, somebody like Hitler or some... Sure. Terror, either, you, you got to wonder, you know, some of these guys that uh, shoot up a high school or so forth. Right. And What would, would their make, journal look like? Yeah, yeah. Would that make a difference? And sometimes they do have sort of uh, these things that they write about, but it's so dark, and that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about just honest appraisal.
1: Yeah, the honesty that comes with, you know, um, some some darker qualities about myself—not not super dark, but things that I wish I hadn't done, things I'd things I'd said that I wish I hadn't said to you know my mom or a close friend or something. In my own insecurities, um, just moments of regret, I suppose. And when I bring that up and put it on the page it gives me a chance to to forgive myself
0: maybe that's why you love yom kippur of I all the holidays <laughs> wow amazing so here's, to journaling, right? here's to the journaling right would the world be different
1: oh yeah if everybody could could step inside their own self essentially and then put the words out onto the page and let them flow the world would be a different place
0: Great. Well, it's, it's in our name, Jewish Journal. Yep. So here's a, uh, a message to everyone. Try journaling, and if it makes any difference in your lives, send us your story in the Jewish Journal, and maybe we'll publish it. So, so I, I like that people are calling you the uh, self-love girl. What do you call them?
1: Self-love aficionado.
0: Self-love aficionado. Um, so tell us about your, your, the reaction from your, your family your parents and all that? and
1: Um, When I showed my mom the book cover a few weeks before it went to print, she was like, "Mm, I don't know about this. And and my family is Southern, so there's a lot of, um, we don't use the F word. Uh, She was like, are you sure this is going to sell? And I'm like, yes, mom, this is exactly why it's going to sell. (laughs) Um, But when she read the book, she was, she understood.
0: Did did you have some deep conversations with her about growing up and some of the stuff that
1: Um, Sometimes, yeah, I I think that she knew that I was writing about some of my uh, younger years and and some relationships that I'd had, but I didn't prepare her really for some of the other stuff that was in the book about relationships, so that was a fun conversation.
0: (laughs) Well, I have to ask, has uh, your self-love journey improved? Yeah. Your love life? Your... Yeah,
1: I, I can spot a real connection versus when I was younger and not in a self-love lifestyle. I would just date anybody because I felt like, oh, they're showing me attention, so I should go out with them. And nowadays it's like, oh, if I don't feel the connection, then I don't need to waste my time or, or confuse this person who might be interested in me and I'm not interested in them. So it's my self-love journey has taught me who I am and w- what I should say yes and no to. And saying no can be very powerful, not just in relationship, but in life. If you have opportunities that come your way that don't feel like the right thing for you, but you might have societal or family pressure to take it because maybe it's a job with a higher income or you know, something that society would say, what? Why did you pass on that?
0: How do you know when it's the right guy when you're dating someone?
1: There's a connection that's that's mm-hmm. just there. It's either there or not there. Mm-hmm. There's the lingering smile and there's that little like... Right. There's there's the butterfly energy. If right. the butterfly energy is not there, then move along.
0: Uh, is it hard to date in L.A.? Do you do you give dating advice to some of your um, friends?
1: My dating advice is love yourself first before you try to love someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not dated in a while actually because I've been I've been dating my brand.
0: <laughs> uh huh.
1: So I decide, I made a strong choice of I don't I don't want to focus on a relationship until I've got a little bit more security in my brand.
0: Okay, well, yeah. uh, it's amazing what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, and, you know, we're looking forward to hearing more, and hopefully you'll you'll share with some of our readers in the Jewish Journal. I would love to. Some of your stories, and we'll bring you back here in a year and keep up the—you can give us an update on how the, the self-love journey is evolving.
1: Perfect. I'll have my next book out by that time.
0: Thank you so much. And even though I didn't give you the name of that app, you can pick it up on the— um, New York Times, it's an app where you just journal to yourself, and apparently it's amazing, and I might use it as well. Thank you, everybody. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you, Armando, our producer. Get on jewishjournal.com, and we'll see you on the next show.